The following podcast contains beer, banter and absolutely no legal advice from four family lawyers speaking in a personal capacity. Any views expressed are our own and not those of our employers or chambers. Any legal commentary is for your amusement only. Always seek specialist legal advice. Welcome to the Without Prejudice podcast. Okay, hello everybody and welcome to the Without Prejudice podcast. My name is Mark Samuels and I'm a barrister at the 36 Group. I'm joined today by my usual chums. We've got Darren Hark from Vaitlingham K in London, Sean Hilton from Stevens and Bolton in Surrey and Dan Chalmers from Clinton's in London. Hello chaps. Hi Mark. Hi Mark. Today we are really excited to be joined by a special guest, a well-known family solicitor, commentator and author, Laura Naser from Pennington's. Laura won the Family Lawyer of the Year Award in the Senior Managing Associate category at the City Wealth Future Leaders Awards 2019, as well as the Family Law Commentator of the Year Award at last year's LexisNexis Family Law Awards. Laura is also the author of a book, The Family Lawyer's Guide to Separation and Divorce, How to Get What You Both Want. And she also runs a lively and informative Instagram feed on all things family law under the handle at the family lawyer. Hey, Laura. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a uh, that was went pretty BBC off. presenter on you there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did what I get everything? I and now the weather. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Well, thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I've got to say. You mentioned the winning the, the LexisNexis Award. Oh, prior God, did I get it wrong? <laughs> no, you, you got it right. But prior to me winning that award, I stood in the waiting area of the award ceremony with your own Dan Chalmers. And he said to me, going into the hall, you're not going to win this. <laughs> I was so confident that I wouldn't win it. But he said to me, if you win it, I'm going to stand up and take my clothes off. And he, he, your face, he told me he was oh, stripped naked if I won this. Um, and of Daniel. course, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wow. just as surprised as Dan, I went on to win. What Thank award was this? The, the George was Family Law Awards. <laughs> what, the, the Family Law Awards? I you... thought that, that was commentator of the year. Yeah, yeah that was, yeah, mm. that's what I mean. That's Did what I we're talking about you now. wouldn't win it? You, no, quite confidently, you told me I wouldn't win it. <laughs> I agreed with you, but oh. thankfully Dan didn't strip, but he was on his feet, but right, yeah. the entire audience cheering me on when they did call out my name. He was very, very kind. Um, and then he promptly went on afterwards to tell my boss that she should give me a pay rise. Wow. <laughs> yeah. just, just looking after Dan. a friend. I, I mean, Laura, I, Daniel <laughs> often makes that threat in any variety of circumstances. Yeah, a standard Dan true. Chalmers line. It's a good well, lesson for all of Dan's clients there, isn't it? Just don't <laughs> listen to what he tells you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I've become a much better lawyer after reading Laura's book, so my clients are really impressed. <laughs> there we go. You know, you know some stuff now. I, I completely forgot about that, Laura. I, I was confident that you would win. Um, but I, well, to be fair and to be honest, you did have fierce competition. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you are relatively new, I guess, to the commentator category, if that was fair to say, a year ago anyway. Um, but uh, also what I should say is the year before, quite randomly, Laura and I hadn't seen each other for 
almost probably since we worked together years and years and we were sat next to each other at the <laughs> same award show the year before and we were going through kind of guessing and educated guesses as to who would win each award um little did i know the very next year that you you'd be up for one so um well me yeah. too <laughs> it was we were sat at the 36 family table weren't we that's right um yeah that was quite a surprise and actually i i didn't actually fit the bill for what the category was so we had to ask them in advance whether it's even worth me applying because i actually what i do it, it, the legal commentator award was for other lawyers and obviously what I do goes direct to the public um, but they were quite keen and interested in the concept of what I did so they allowed me to apply which was even more reason why it wasn't likely that I would win because I wasn't commentating to lawyers as such although now my following is hugely uh, I have a lot of family lawyers following me on Instagram now well what I can say is I don't know if it's embarrassing or not I have or have had uh, a client that's followed you <laughs> <laughs> so, just just getting advice from a proper lawyer in the background just give me some tips on what you want me to post <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> can you put this one out this week um oh, no, that, that was uh, that was a great night i do remember chatting to your boss afterwards um it's veronica isn't it well no it it was veronica my boss in surrey but it was the overall head of family team jane oh, yeah. Green, that you suggested she should give me a pay rise yeah well, I mean, you should have got one, you know, award, <laughs> award winner, author. Were you an author then? You probably hadn't published it then, had you? It wasn't published at that point. No, no. A budding then, author. <laughs> um, but Dan did come to my, my, my um, book party when it was published. And I, I can't remember exactly what I wrote in your uh, copy of my book, but you were quite demanding and oh. suggesting I must personalise an entry for you. Well, then well, you can tell us now, can you? I've got it in front of me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I've read this back to front, as you obviously will, will know. Um, it says, uh, dear Dan, look how far we've come. How did we do this? Love, Laura. Very apt, I think. <laughs> oh, nice. Very apt. Considering, you know, we were both at um, and are very thankful for the firm that we met at, uh, but a, a small firm in Surrey back in, I was just saying to the guys beforehand, I think it was 2008 we met. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and you were a newly qualified, you were employed as an NQ, weren't you? A newly qualified lawyer. Um, and I was, I think I was a trainee by then. Yeah. Wow, very much a uh, Beauty and the Beast story. We've got our bell joining <laughs> us today. <laughs> poor old Dan Chambers dragging his knuckles along the floor in the corner over there. <laughs> All I know is that when it's made into a big film, I'll be a part of it and, you know, <laughs> We just have to get some actor with a lot of hair because Laura knew me with hair back in the day. <laughs> You've never had much though, have you, Dan? We, we still think that's a myth, Laura. I don't know if you can dispel that for us that Dan actually once had hair. Um, he did, but yeah. it was pre-Instagram, so I don't really think I have many photos of Twitter. <laughs> that's a shame for all concerned. <laughs> <laughs> um, just on that note, Laura, um, obviously, you know, we go way back. Um, you, you don't know Mark, do you? Um, Particularly well, our little barrister. Um, have you met Sean and Darren? You know Sean. Yes. Uh, yeah. Way We've back. Practicing Guildford. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just wanted to touch on because obviously I have read your book in anticipation of this podcast. Um, is there an editor's cut where I am mentioned in the acknowledgement? <laughs> <laughs> because because um, uh, Carol, John, and Paul get a mention, but I don't seem to be in there. <laughs> Carol, John and Paul being my relatives, close yeah. relatives. Um, 
Of course there was, but the editor said, look, he's just too high profile and he'll take yes. the shine off. I oh, thought it don't make that. his ego any bigger, Laura, please. <laughs> yeah. We're struggling enough as it is. Look, we always sort of design these guest pod statements a bit for Q&A. Um, and I know we've got some good questions lined up for Laura, but I think before we continue, we need to revert back to my regular segment of the week, which is what are we drinking for tonight's pod? I'm still trying to come up with a snappy name for the segment. I've had some suggestions through on Twitter, none of which are suitable for publication. So it's still a work in progress. <laughs> Um, we need like so a little I, jingle as well sean i think i know i'm good that's, for, for, for series two of the pod i'm gonna get someone to make me a cool jingle um but we need a snappy name but that that will come I, I feel i feel confident about that so let's start with you king of beers what are you on today <laughs> well <laughs> as you know I, I think i've managed three different choices but i've gone for the old classic as you know which is the black stuff back on the guinness, uh, guinness in a guinness pint glass um from a can yeah from, from a can, which I, I think I criticised Darren for early on, but yeah, from a can. So yeah, just just uh, a nice cold Guinness for me of uh, of an evening. Needs must in the time of lockdown, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Mark, what about you, sir? Uh, I'm back to my usual two. I'm on a nice gin and tonic this this morning, this evening. <laughs> <laughs> Usually Drinking morning. this morning, Don't Mark. Don't tell all the listeners that we actually record this at 9am. <laughs> <laughs> it's just water. Darren, um, what about you, bud? Uh, I'm uh, keeping it in London this week and going for Camden, Camden Pale. Oh, um, you've moved away from the Brewdog Allegiance. I've moved away from the Brewdog and the craft beers, yeah. Um, because they just a, didn't send you any freebies, no matter how many they times still, they, they still haven't sent the freebies. <laughs> um, and the supermarket shelves were pretty um, poorly stocked. So, so there we go. It's a good beer. It's doing all right. It's, doing the, it's serving a purpose. Is that the aim of this segment, so that you guys get a sent free free beers that's the hope it hasn't that's yet worked. that's, that's the hope right, yeah. that's what we Laura, we're gonna keep doing this until someone <laughs> so somebody gets something, something. <laughs> well it started laura because i set myself a challenge that i was going to have a different beer or a different drink for every pod and i have thus far succeeded and i this week i took a nod to my friend darren over there um and i've got a man a beer from manchester today it's an awesome can. You obviously won't better hear it, you know, know when you're listening, but guys, you can see it's it. It's very colourful, yeah, very it's, jazzy. Uh, Manchester Marble Brewery, and it's called Vocation Hip Skip and Juice. Hazy Pale Ale with doses of citrus to get lips hopping. It's damn good. <laughs> Quite impressed. Where are you going for all these beers? Well, I'm not going to reveal my secret sauce, am I? Because then everyone will be drinking <laughs> the same beers as me. And they'll be less likely to send me freebies. So um, okay, I like it. Yeah, it's quite a good one. Laura, what about you as our guest? What are you drinking this week? I want a G and T. Um, I I had a panic in the supermarket that they they were running low on the tonics, and thankfully, being five foot eleven, I was able to reach the last bottle of tonic at the very <laughs> top of that shelf while I elbowed away a five footer. Uh, <laughs> my COVID 19 supplies up. Was that Mark? Yeah. May have been me. <laughs> Could have been Mark. There are times when you must break the two distancing barrier to elbow your way to the last bottle of tonic. Whilst getting in my exercise, the sprint on me was wonderful. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, uh, who's got some questions lined up? Chalmers, you had some written down, I reckon. Yeah, I, well, I guess the first thing, Laura, is really um, how have you been coping with the lockdown and uh, everything since, uh, you, I guess, you've been working remotely and working from home. Um, how's it all been going? Um, it's all right. I mean, I've got two young children. I've got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. So being in lockdown 
with um, my husband and I working, we're both lawyers, so working as usual, but from home with two little children has been challenging. We've been drinking a lot in the evening, of course. Um, and um, that's been hard, but it was also a huge opportunity for me. I already had this platform on Instagram completely ready-made set up for when everyone was suddenly told you can't socialize anymore. So it's been brilliant. I've been hosting live sessions and um, being able to be bring information really hot off the press to the public um, and keep that going for the last however many weeks we've been in lockdown. I've lost count now, but um, it's been it's been busy but positive. Yeah. How's uh, how's homeschooling been? And obviously we should tell people that we're recording this on the 3rd of June. So are they, are they back at school and nursery or are they still at home? No, homeschooling doesn't exist. Netflix, <laughs> however, does. My son <laughs> nail the American accent um, to the extent that we have to kind of remind him to speak in an English accent now because his go-to is American. Um, uh, no, homeschool doesn't really exist. When both of us are working like we are, it's just not possible. It's that kind of, we're on the phone, don't put another episode on. Um, <laughs> but he goes back to school next week on a part-time basis and my daughter will stay at home. So uh, we're just, it's, you know, we're just winging it. Absolutely. I had a question for you and Sean really, because you're married, Laura, to a lawyer. Uh, Sean, you are also uh, living with and your partner is involved in the same field. How is that? Uh, because it, you know, Sinead and I have very, very different backgrounds and very different um, careers. Uh, how is it living with and working with another lawyer? You go first, Sean. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's got pros and cons. The cons are that you can often continue that conversation about work long into the night um, because the person you're talking to has some sort of idea of what you're going on about. So it, it can sometimes sort of be quite consuming because you feel that you've got like a sounding board to continue that narrative with. So if you've had that tricky day or that tricky case, sometimes it feels like it never stops. Um, but then on, in the same, you know, on the flip side of that, it can be really nice to have someone to talk to about it that can nod along and kind of understand what you're getting at. Caroline does um, like commercial property litigation, so a very different area. So she doesn't Proper know law. the kind of yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> cle clever law. If you put it that way. <laughs> she's she's book smart. Um, yeah, so sometimes um, she doesn't really know the kind of in depth stuff. So we can't get into arguments about you know cases or section twenty five factors or whatever it might be. Uh, but she at least kind of understands what it's like in practice. So there's some benefits uh, to that. So yeah, I think it's, it swings around about. So I know that um, other people I know whose partners are also lawyers, they kind of have a, a 10 minute rule. So you can kind of rant for 10 minutes and vent, and then you put a pin in it and that's it until you go back to work the next morning. I don't think I've ever been quite that disciplined with it. Uh, and I know that I've sort of woken Caroline up at 10:30, you know, in the morning, and sort of say, right, on a Saturday morning, and say, right, you know, we need to talk about this case, or I'm worried about this. Can we talk about it? Um, so yeah, I think pros and cons. What do you think, Laura? Well, my husband's an in-house lawyer for a big international company, which means he works ridiculous hours across all time zones. Um, so my complaints tend to kind of just pale in comparison because, <laughs> as much as I might feel like I'm working long hours, I'm not working 
all around the clock like he does. So um, it tends to be quite different. It, it, our practices are so different that there is no, it's, it might as well, we might as well have different jobs, um, professions, because our areas are so different. But it is really useful. A lot of our friend, our close friends are also lawyers, and it, and it is great actually to have people who understand. So when your pressures are on, they do get it. Um, mostly our day-to-day -day struggles are just herding the kids away from the Zoom meeting. So <laughs> you can really come into it. You put signs up. I was going to say, how, your eldest is six, isn't it? Just signs up saying, keep out. I've seen a lot of lawyers doing that, especially <laughs> when they've got sort of court hearings going on, telephone or video. Just please you know do what? not if come I, in. If I put a sign up, I'd just be thrilled that he'd read it. I'd be like, homeschooling fun. <laughs> 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 homeschooling. <laughs> I have a question a for both of you, actually, in relation to that. Having partners who are practitioners but in a different area, has, has living with a person that practices in a different area informed the way that you approach your practices, particularly now that you're both operating under the same roof and working there? Uh, well, Caroline's on mat leave at the moment, so she's not practicing day to day. Um, so maybe not quite the same as it would otherwise be. But I know that having lived with her, you know, before we had a baby and before lockdown. Um, I think I've definitely taken a slightly more corporate approach to my practice because she deals with, you know, commercial clients and a lot of the time sort of uh, big companies that have big property portfolios. Um, and so it's very much, you know, it's a lot more cutthroat. So I think I've tried to be a bit more direct and a bit more corporate in my approach because of the way that her practice is, is run. Um, which is, you know, I think is, is work for me because you get to pick and choose the best bits, right? You don't have to adopt all of it. You can choose what works for you and works for your practice. I agree. I think there's a commerciality to being a more corporate lawyer that we as family lawyers, because we're dealing with private individuals, don't necessarily deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and I, I definitely pick up more on that side of things. Um, but you know, he doesn't even have to time record as an in-house lawyer. So I have no sympathies. Oh, that is the dream. <laughs> that is the dream. <laughs> so I was going to ask that a lot of people, you know, we get the, um, sort of the fat cat lawyer title and we charge extortionate amounts and little to people know that it doesn't actually go straight into our pockets. Uh, you know, we, we're charged out at what our firm deems appropriate for our level of experience and qualifications. Um, but the time recording aspect is it's such an administrative you know, you spend just as long typing or, you know, recording what you've done um, than actually, you know, than doing the work. Um, we've got to do the work as well. It's, uh, taking away time recording would be, uh, would be a dream, I think. Gone are the days when you could just get to the end of the month and, like, pick up the file and judge how much you were going to bill based on how heavy it was. You know, kind of, uh, well, I feel like I've done <laughs> about this much work on it this month. But, yeah, I think it's the clients deserve to see what you've done. There should be an element of transparency. But as you say, it can be um, pretty soul destroying having to put down that unit of non-chargeable time for kind of going and making a cup of coffee or uh, and having a chat to someone in the kitchen for five minutes. Uh, yeah, it can it can feel all consuming at times. I mean, it is quite I mean, it's really important to have. Um, I mean, it's, it's dull and laborious. I remember when I was in a firm, it's, you know, it's one of those chores that you just have to do. But if client brings an action against the firm in costs or under the Solicitors Act or whatever, then you end up looking at the narratives and you go into quite granular detail. So it's one of those things that, you know, it's frightful, but 
really quite important under certain circumstances. But yeah. It, yeah. is that the most kind of laborious administrative task that fills your days? Other than this. Don't give us any of that. You uh, love this, Dan. Charles. I do love this, yeah. I think file opening and engagement letters is also a pain in the bum. I mean, to do engagement letters and stuff and, and all the kind of admin that comes with opening a file. Uh, that takes up way too much time and billing as well. But again, you know, it's all part and parcel. Mark, I'm, I'm jumping back because I, I was just wondering with you. So obviously you, you know, do hearings on a, a fixed rate. But for your advice and stuff like that, how do you work? Because I know that barristers have this kind of odd, you know, fixed fee for a hearing, but then some work will be done on an hourly rate basis. Um, how do you gauge how long you think it might take you to, for example, do a piece of advice? Would you do that on a fixed fee or do you say my hourly rate is X and, I'll try, and I estimate it's going to take three to five hours? Um, Dan's just doing a finger in the air gesture which is not the way i do it um, slick the finger put it in the air oh um, i don't know what can i get away with there we go <laughs> barristers uh, i expect barristers handle it it's a kind of personal choice thing i imagine it's also what the clerk's room would prefer you doing personally for an advice uh, i tend to prefer to work on the basis of a fixed rate agreed in advance what i would usually do is take a preliminary look at the instructions, get a feel for the brief. I won't really do very much work, but I'll sort of sound out the scope of it. And then I will quote a number by reference. Well, when I say I, I of course mean the clerks, um, will quote by reference to the predicted number of hours. And if I'm wildly off, then that will take another conversation. But actually, if you're giving advice on the same sorts of themes, which happens over the years, you do start to get a feel for what something is likely to be and plus there's also a market expectation of how much a piece of advice is going to be worth so it kind of slots somewhere in the middle but that's all that's all part of the magic of the clerk's room i tend to not get so, too involved so what in you're it. just saying is it's a total fudge you just that's exactly what i heard that is, well you you heard wrong <laughs> that's when we all get the calls from the clerks going yeah my, my, Deep, you know, he's taken on this case, really detailed case. He's actually spent a lot more time than he thought. Yeah. And then, not, yeah, it's down to us to negotiate. Danny Chapman clients. would have heard what I just said, and he was probably saying to himself, Shut up, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just tell the clerks, and then we have to deal with the clerks, and then the client, which is why our job is so much harder. I'm not going to comment further. There we go. I was waiting for it. <laughs> You're one of, if not, the right? you know you're out there as one of the forefront family lawyers in social media um how's that going how did it start and it's obviously paying dividends <laughs> what can you teach us as yeah. new people on the yeah. social media scene yeah. <laughs> as potential shortlisted for the commentators of the year for the next family law awards yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. let's ride your cocktails <laughs> i've already um been asked and i have done a couple of talks actually for other lawyers on personal branding and uh it kind of came very much out of the blue as a middle of the night. I was on maternity leave at the time. I was feeding my daughter in the middle of the night, which is quite lonely. And I used to take to Instagram myself because that was something to do while I was up in the middle of the night. And um, I, I just really liked it as a platform. I never really got into Twitter that much or LinkedIn myself personally, but Instagram, I kind of understood it and I got it and I liked how it worked. 
So I kind of... Is that because of the demographic that you're aiming at? So Instagram for, you mentioned earlier that you're reaching out to the general public as distinct from other lawyers. Is, Is that platform influenced? Yeah, well, that's just it. It's unique in that, you know, I can go direct to the to the public because, I mean, we all get approached all the time. And my friend is going through a separation. Can you explain something? Would you mind having a word? And there's always so many misconceptions and stuff. And I just thought, actually, platform like Instagram gives me a voice that I can go directly to the public. You know, it's, I'm not talking about complex niche legal issues i'm talking about the basics and stuff that the most common questions that we would be asked um and the things that really worry people and the issues that people like i was looking at the middle of the night looking at you know how do i make my kid learn how to go to the potty they're kind of questions that if you're going through a separation you're upset you're in the middle of the night you're looking at trying to access information you know google as a lawyer is fundamentally flawed. But on Instagram, now that I've definitely more established, I am a more go-to resource that and people trust me as an expert. And it doesn't just show my legal expertise, but it shows me. And one of the things we all have when clients um, kind of, you get your beauty paraded and like, how do I know if you're the right lawyer for me? And this is like a shortcut to that because people already get a feel of me. They can see me, they can see what I'm like, they can hear my voice, they can read how I translate. And it's a shortcut to that. It gives them an impression and an understanding of what I am like, how I work, and hopefully convey that I am uh, a decent family lawyer and I understand what I'm doing. Um, And it's great. It's brought in for me an enormous amount of clients, not just for me personally, but for the team and other areas of law. So I, I bring in work for, you know, like the property team or the private client team or the corporate team even. Um, it's been very successful. The beauty of it also is that it's anonymous for the clients. So they don't have to follow me. So I'm not one of those Instagrammers that is chasing a high number of followers. I don't want loads of people to like me. In some cases, I actively tell people don't follow me because your partner who you might still be living with can see that you're now following me and it would tip them off. Um, So, and it's great because people can just look me up, look at my feed, see my stories, DM me, access me in a way that's convenient to them and understandable to them and feels okay. It doesn't feel as daunting as sending an email from a, you know, a website inquiry or something. So it's worked really, really well, but it's got to be authentic. I've had a lot of people try and copycat and you've, you know, there's now, there's lots of accounts out there, you know, ex-family lawyer, ex-family solicitor. Um, And some are doing really well. Um, Some I think have realized that actually it's a hell of a lot of work to keep it up and to do it and to keep churning out interesting content in an authentic way you know it's not just your classic law firm marketing where you've got pictures of lots of wellies and different sizes and we say something um, that we hope will translate um it's it's an awful lot of work and commitment um and it's got to be in your unique voice it's got to how, sound- how would you describe your i mean you mentioned earlier personal brand how would you describe that brand Oh, good question. I've got an examination in chief on you. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone full barrister mode. It's, 
it started off and I never featured myself. I didn't put any photos of myself on there. I tried, I started off with a classic kind of quite bland, non-committal photos because obviously fundamentally Instagram's all about the photos. Um, but I realized because of other BD that I do and other um, influencers or other organizations that I'm connected with, that it is really about you personally and your personality because that's what makes clients choose you and not another lawyer. It's you that they want. Um, and they have to have that connection with you. And it, it became more about me. Um, just not organically, I kind of started having to drip feed photos of me and my family life because that shows clients that to some extent I can understand their issues, particularly if it's yeah. a child arrangements um, issue. And they like that. Or you understand the importance of handover needing to be at this time because you too have children who have these same kind of situations. So it helps just that connection factor and it feeling authentic. I would describe it as you know, I mean, Dan, you know me. Um, I think I would hope that it is just a personal brand is me. I put myself out there as an expert, so I try not to look um, too casual. I don't pick photos of what I'm eating for dinner. I don't, um, you know, talk about what a lovely day trip I've just had. I keep it professional, keep it to the law stuff, but I use my voice in a way that translates so that I use a language that works. I don't use legalese. I try and keep it simple. I use the occasional emoji um well laura we were talking in our podcast last week about um you know our presentations of ourselves and as you just said clearly if you're producing content online that is hard work and it's a consistent process of hard work but it's also an exercise in bravery because you are really presenting you as distinct from your firm out there have you ever had moments where you post something and then get I know I've certainly had it on social media the initial panic of thinking oh okay actually did that was there anything about that that should make me retract that or rephrase do you ever get posting fear yeah and how brave and or stupid do you think we are for doing this <laughs> I feel like that is about to say exhibit A you posted this on the day what do you think now um <laughs> Um, I'm, you know, I created it as a professional account. So I have been mindful from the outset to make sure that I am posting with my professional obligations in mind and the fact that I'm representing my firm as well as myself. I have a personal account that's private and that is for my personal stuff. Um, have I posted anything that I thought I would retract? Do you know what, in the early days when I was kind of a bit more bothered about how many likes and things I was getting, I might have removed something if it didn't outwardly look like it was that successful because I didn't want that to reflect on me. But I switched my account um, about a year ago to a business account on Instagram and it gives you insights so I can see how many people are looking at my um, post, not just how many people are liking it, how many people are sharing it, so sending it to people. Um, and actually, what it showed me was that the ones that may not outwardly look that popular are the ones that behind the scenes are incredibly popular. So once I've committed to a post, I tend to leave it because actually the outward success of it may not be the truth of it. How specific does that get? You do you get individual users and you can say, ah, oh, you know, Mark and Sean and Darren and Dan all looked at your post. <laughs> I can see on stories. So on those immediate 24 yeah. hour posts who was looking, um, but I can't, no, on a, 
and I, a normal post on my page, um, I can't see, unless someone likes, I can't see exactly who it is that's looking, but it does give me analytics. So it tells me how much of my audience are male, female, their age categories, where they're located in the country or abroad. Um, so I get a lot of feedback information that's really useful because it helps me to hone in on my target audience. And what is it? your target audience? Yeah. Oh, Mark, you're just full going with a oh, examination. Sorry. Great. I'm, I'm on court mode. Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind back. I'm going to have some more gin and tonic. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of natural audience because I don't offer legal aid. So anyone who may have a query that I think would or might qualify for legal aid, that, that I'm not targeting to them necessarily. But the information I'm putting out there is obviously useful to anyone going through a family law issue. So I don't necessarily target um, cases which would naturally follow a legal aid route, but um, I get a lot of publicity because if I deal with someone who has an inquiry that I think is actually a legal aid case, they may recommend me to someone who isn't a legal aid case. So I don't really try and cut anyone out. or I'm trying to be quite inclusive with my posts. Um, but, you know, I've had some cases which are very high net worth cases. My target audience are not all 20 year olds that are doing selfies. My audience, the statistics show me, are predominantly women, predominantly in the main cities in England. Um, but I also have a quite a high international audience uh, aged between um, 25 and 45. Um, and I think the higher end of the market, the high net worth and the older um, age bracket surprises a lot of people how much traction I get with those because um, people do, you know, if you don't use Instagram yourself, people do assume it's for the young 20 year olds and teenagers. Mm. Um, but yeah, my target audience, I try to be very inclusive because I'm conscious that it's not just, I'm not just going for, I'm not doing this actively to try and get a client out of it. It's profile raising. It's for me personally and for the firm. And, you know, any kind of publicity, if I'm doing it well, will feedback positively, whether that's that specific person who sees it or a recommendation from them. You, you spoke about the older generation there. I reckon that might be a surprise for all of us, really, because actually, I think, you know, you typically think of uh, our divorce cases and, you know, it, it, I guess the majority are younger people, but actually I think there has been an increase in the older generation. I don't know if it's the silver generation or the, whatever the, the papers might call it, but there's definitely been a spike in that. I've, I've had a few where, um, you know, you just think actually it's, it's on the rise. Um, and I think we'd probably all be surprised at the amount of work we've got from older people. Um, it's becoming sadly uh, more of the norm. I think it's it just should be said that you know what you're doing is quite unique um, and the fact that your focus is on giving information that's outwardly facing you know to the to the public rather than most lawyers that sort of try and build a profile within the profession because that's probably an easier route because you've got a captive audience um, and the fact that you're using your sort of personal voice, I know you're representing your firm in a professional capacity, but I think what Mark was saying earlier is what we were touching on last week is that it takes a real element of bravery um, to put yourself yeah, out there fantastic. in that way. And it's yeah, quite absolutely. unique actually yeah. in the and industry. It's, and it's something that we have sort of realized not through intent, but through stumbling upon it is that 
in order to sort of communicate to people in that more personal way and make that connection and create your own personal brand, you do have to be slightly vulnerable, which in itself is, is brave. So I think a lot of people, the people who push back on this approach, the people who push back on and fall back on that traditional, you know, the clients come through the door and I go meet them for the first meeting and I'm the lawyer and they're the client. They're the ones who actually who are, who are less brave because they're not putting themselves out there and they're hiding behind that mask of, no, I'm the lawyer, you're the client. Um, And I think as you, as you found, and as we're finding probably through this and through our professional lives in general, clients now more than ever want that real connection with you personally. I'm sure we've all been in that situation where we've been in a meeting with a client. This is what you said earlier, Laura, where they've said, well, do you have kids? And you Mm. go, Oh, well, no. Or, and well, then how do you under, you can't understand. I've been asked that so many times. Of course. Mm. Yeah. And you know, when you can say, yes, I have got kids, don't actually know if that makes it any easier, but that connection. And, and if you if you, if, as you say, if you can overcome that barrier and they have an understanding of you as a person a bit more um, before they come through the door for the first meeting, you've, you know, trust is the biggest hurdle that we face. If you can have trust with yourself and the client, then you're going to have a good working relationship. And if you can establish that before they even come into the meeting room with you, then you're always going to be onto a winner. Yeah, I remember when I was training, I was at court with a barrister and a client and the, barrister, the client asked the barrister, do you have children? And the barrister said, I don't discuss my personal life with clients. And it shut down the room. There was just, yeah. there was no conversation, there was no rapport. And it made it a very professional relationship, but it also, you could just see the barriers go up with the client. Yeah. Um, and I think people, you know, we're in now in a different age where we have the social media, we expect people to share about their lives and overshare even. And um, that expectation of, uh, you know, rebuilding a rapport and having things in common and, you know, the art of a good family law is not just our legal knowledge, but it is the ability to put our clients at ease and comfort them in high stress situations. Um, and that comes from your personality. I think that's a huge part of our job. And actually, if yeah. you think of the really, um, not, ne- not necessarily complex, but, you know, lengthy or even just the, the, what we would probably classify as easier cases, you know, maybe they're not complicated, but they are, you know, every case has its, uh, is different on its own merits. But we can be sat in a courtroom or in a waiting room at court with a client all day, all day for days if we're involved in a trial. And you've got to be with that person all the time, especially as a solicitor. Um, you know, Mark gets to escape every now and then uh, and pretend he's got to have a conference with counsel. Um, but we, we ha- we're with those people all the time. And actually, if you don't have a personality or you're not able to, you know, channel into what, what is important for them or, or get what they are about, it, it's a, that is a difficult situation to be in for hours, potentially days on end. Yeah, absolutely. And something to bear in mind as well is for us, you know, that's, that's, that's the job. That's what we do. That's what we're trained to do. But for them, it could be the most important day of their lives. Uh-huh. And absolutely, that's why it's absolutely key. So I couldn't agree more with what, what you've all just said there. Absolutely. Oh, well, that got hot and heavy, didn't it, there? It did. Well, we need some light relief. It did, right. Let's finish off with three quick fire questions. 
Um, so we, go. You know, Laura's telling us all about her personal brand, but I think I need to know what kind of cereal she prefers. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for quite a <laughs> quick fire question. Okay, I have a quick fire one as well. Then. Great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a few just to kick us off. And, and Laura, what we'd like is uh, just straight fire answers. Okay, immediate straight fire answers. And then there's probably some questions that we can all dip in and have a chat about. But uh, let, let's kick off with uh, tea or coffee. Coffee. It's disgusting. Uh, favorite color? Red. Do you have any tattoos? No. I don't know this about the guys, by the way. I'm going to ask that in a minute. Um, what is your favorite takeaway? Curry. Nice. If Second you could up. have any drink right now, apart from your G&T, what would it be? Oh, um, oh that's, a, that's a really tough one. I've got a whole <laughs> array of favorite drinks. Um, Obviously, I, you're thinking alcoholic. I'd probably go champagne. Yeah, good choice. Good choice. Um, good choice. Tell us one thing that is on your bucket list that you have not completed. And then, um, I'd like to travel more. Anywhere in particular? Uh, where in particular? More in Canada. I've only been there a couple of times. I'd like to do more there. Very good. Other than the four of us, who is your favourite superhero? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I've been quite well trained by my son and what I should probably say here, Batman, because he features on a daily basis in our household. That's quite a strong answer, actually, Batman. <laughs> um, tell us something the professional world would not know about you. Well, as someone who bears all quite a lot. <laughs> um, what wouldn't you know about me? Um, I, um, I'm hypermobile, which means I bend in weird and strange ways too much see this might be the only thing i do remember about you it's so <laughs> weird this is really important to me and i'm hoping you don't answer it in the, the way i think you may how do you like your steak cooked medium rare. see i thought you were going to say you're a vegetarian so i'm so pleased there we go <laughs> <laughs> the favorite in our household that's the only oh, is there anything wrong with vegetarians Breaking uh, the COVID to, you know, you know, essential only, essential plus the butchers. Got plus the steaks, yeah. How about you guys? I, I'm probably with Laura. I think I'm a medium, maybe even now, medium rare. Medium rare for me. Medium rare for me. Rare or medium rare. Ooh. Yeah, see, my brother went to Argentina and he doesn't have anything now that's not mooing on the plate. Um, and he's made me come down because I was always a you know well done guy, and then I've gradually come no, down. No, it's like I, a burger. Yeah, I know. Absolutely, I, I didn't know what I was missing. Um, and this is Laura. Something we've asked uh, and answered in previous podcasts. If you weren't a lawyer, what do you think you'd be? Well, if you'd asked me age twelve, my answer was always I'm going to be a family lawyer or a tornado chaser. Um, my... <laughs> Very similar uh, professions, of course. <laughs> I'd like to go and see a real tornado, but um, if I wasn't a lawyer, what would I be? It was tempting after after my first maternity leave to be a stay-at-home mum. I was kind of, you know, fearing going back. So maybe I would have been a full-time parent. Great job to have. All or nothing. Just, yeah. <laughs> full-time, nothing at all. Well, you you say that. nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's everything. Pretty much full-time, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, I think I'm we definitely... Or none at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we definitely learned a lot about you there, Laura. So I think it's time for our usual wrap up. Um, Mr. Samuels did the introductions today, so it's his turn to name the pod as well. Yeah. Last orders at the bar, please. 
Well, I think um, Laura's just really helped me out there. And, you know, Laura, with your consent, I would quite like to name this pod Laura Naser Tornado Chaser. I love it. Oh. That's great. Yeah. That's a great one. Good work, Mark. Wonderful. Very good. Very Excellent. Good. Yeah. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Laura. Thank we, you very yeah, much, Laura. We're all big fans. You're, you're doing amazing. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for coming on our uh, podcast, which is obviously going to be the commentator of the year 2021. So uh, <laughs> watch this space. Watch this space. And everyone can keep an eye out for our pods going live. Um, you can find us now on Apple iTunes, on Spotify, and on our Podbean page as necessary. And we're always keen to hear from people. So if you want to get in touch, then we'd love to hear from you. Any suggestions about who we might like to have on as future guests or anything that we could cover. Um, as Laura mentioned, you know, anyone who wants to reach out with any questions about getting into family law or law in general, then we're always here and we'll try and do our best to answer um, as best we can. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And as ever, great to have your company and I'll see you soon. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Thank you Laura. Bye bye. That's time.